So nothing is changing in terms of therapy coverage for Medicare Part A, PDPM, or Medicare Part B outpatient therapy services. The only thing that is changing is the payment model for Medicaid-only patients, and generally that's going to be a fairly small population in your facility. So while it may have some impact on your daily job, it should not be resulting in job loss, in panic, or in any kind of extreme concern. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody, and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Hello to you, my wonderful OT amplifiers. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And today in the Amplify OT podcast, we are going to explore whether or not there have been significant changes in skilled nursing facilities regarding payment. The reason we're talking about this is because I've seen a lot of concern on social media about these issues. I've also had folks reaching out to me and Before we get into the full details of the episode, I want to go ahead and reassure you right now. There have been no significant changes to PDPM for Medicare Part A in skilled nursing facilities. Therapy has not been removed from PDPM. They have not removed anything that would impact your job in a significant way. The biggest change to therapy really in SNF for Part A is just the removal of Section G from the MDS and some new items in Section GG. But they have not changed reimbursement at all, except for, honestly, a 4% increase for therapy services or change the calculation. There have been minor adjustments to PDPM, but your job should not be at risk because of anything that has changed with Medicare. So I just want to get that out of the way right now so that you can rest easy. You don't really have a reason to be concerned about that. Now, if you've listened to some of my SNF podcasts before, then you know that October 1st is when the new skilled nursing facility rules go into effect. So the proposed rule for skilled nursing facilities comes out sometime in the spring. Then the final rule usually comes out July, August, and then it's implemented October 1st. And honestly, this year, the skilled nursing facility proposed rule was relatively uneventful. They did finalize an increase in reimbursement for PDPM across the board for Medicare Part A, but there was also like a lot of kind of random adjustments to the MDS. So if the nursing team or MDS coordinators are freaking out or a bit concerned, That's really why it's really mainly changes to the MDS. There's a couple ICD-10 changes around Parkinson's and adding in COVID diagnoses because obviously those weren't there before and now need to be included. So minor changes there. It's really structural changes to the MDS that have been causing the most strife really for the nursing team because even though therapy practitioners, our data can be utilized in scoring the MDS we are not able to actually like submit the MDS like we might be able to 
in other settings like home health for the OASIS. And I guess just to backtrack a little bit to explain myself, right, we're talking about skilled nursing facilities and MDS is the minimum data set, which is the required admission and discharge assessment put forward by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services or CMS. And the MDS is required on every single patient, regardless of payer in a SNF. And again, I promise we'll get into some of the details of this, but I want to give you the high-level overview before we dive in, just to again assuage concerns. So what has changed around therapy is with Medicaid. CMS announced and finalized that they will no longer support the utilization of RUG payments for Medicaid programs. So just to reiterate this, and this is from the North Carolina Medicaid announcement, is that on October 1st, 2025, CMS will replace the current case mix model, which is they're using RUG4, with the patient-driven payment model, or PDPM. So this is not going into effect fully until October 1st of 2025 to allow states time to transition. And remember, Medicare, right, is they care for the elderly. That's what individuals over age of 65 are eligible to receive versus Medicaid aids those in need, which is available to folks on low income. And if you want to learn more about the different types of Medicare or different Medicare plans, I have an entire podcast episode on that, the ABCs of Medicare. And that is episode 32. Now, if you're new to the field, you may not have heard of RUGS before, but RUGS was the formal payment methodology utilized for the Skilled Nursing Facility Prospective Payment System under CMS before PDPM. So this was pre-October 1st of 2019. The way that reimbursement worked under RUG levels was it was based on a variety of factors, but one of the driving factors was therapy minutes. So in a sense, the more therapy minutes that were provided, the more reimbursement facilities got. So they were essentially separately reimbursed for therapy services underneath that former payment system. Now, even though PDPM does technically have like OT, PT, speech, nursing payments as part of the PDPM payment, it's not based on volume or therapy visits. It's more so based on value using the calculations from Section GG items largely. And I have a whole podcast explaining PDPM and some rugs in depth in episode nine, if you go way back into the archives of the Amplify OT podcast. Now, some Medicaid programs have already switched to a case-based payment system or case mix system, which is like what PDPM is versus rugs. So some states, you may see no change at all because they've already switched over. In other states, you most likely will see changes over the next two years because CMS did give a two-year grace period for Medicaid programs to implement this change and transition away from RUG levels to the PDPM or the patient-driven payment model. So if you're wondering about those changes, check your Medicaid website and look for how they pay for skilled nursing facilities. Now, I've looked up a few different states And I haven't seen too many notices. I know North Carolina has a notice out about their transition away from rug levels over the next couple years, just basically stating that they're planning to do it. So more likely than not, you have not seen any changes for Medicaid payments yet because they weren't going to be able to change an entire system of payment in like two months notice that they had. 
Now, if you're still with me, if I haven't lost you, you may be wondering, okay, so that means that they're no longer going to be paying for therapy minutes. So how are they going to pay for therapy? And that's a really good question. It's still kind of going to be determined. And I'll be honest, I'm still sorting out the details myself. So may have future episodes and articles on this topic. But basically, therapy will no longer be separately reimbursed. So it won't be separately incentivized to be provided to these Medicaid patients. But before we panic, um, right, because we know there's lots of Medicaid patients that often come to skilled nursing facilities and long-term care, this will only impact your patients that are Medicaid-only patients, meaning that they only have Medicaid as their insurance. Majority of folks that are probably coming to your skilled nursing facility are going to be dual eligibles, meaning that they have both Medicare and Medicaid insurance. Now, when someone is a dual eligible, Medicare is the primary payer. So they will still have coverage for skilled nursing facilities under Medicare Part A, and they will still have coverage for therapy services under Medicare Part B in long-term care or sometimes in SNF, just like they already do. That isn't changing. So nothing is changing in terms of therapy coverage for Medicare Part A, PDPM, or Medicare Part B. B, outpatient therapy services. The only thing that is changing is the payment model for Medicaid-only patients, and generally that's going to be a fairly small population in your facility. So while it may have some impact on your daily job, it should not be resulting in job loss, in panic, or in any kind of extreme concern. So again, this is not October 1st, 2019, when PDPM was implemented, and unfortunately we saw a lot of job loss, this is not that scenario. Do not be worried. It is only impacting Medicaid-only patients, which again is generally going to be a fairly small population because most folks are going to be dual eligible. So who it's really impacting are patients, really. So if they're Medicaid-only, they will most likely not receive very much therapy or may not receive any therapy, whereas they may have received therapy previously because it was separately reimbursed. So that's really who it's impacting are our patients. So this is your call to action to understand the policy, do some research, ask some questions, finish listening to this podcast, ask some more questions, and to start thinking about how you can communicate your value to your agency that doesn't have to do with direct dollars that you're being paid for those services. And those are the kind of things that I teach in the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course in the Amplify OT membership of how to take that policy information and use it to identify opportunities for occupational therapy and justify why occupational therapy should be paid for and covered under payment systems, even when they aren't technically speaking separately reimbursed or separately incentivized via a direct monetary income like under rug levels. So hopefully you will be breathing a at least a slight sigh of relief knowing that there have not been significant changes to Medicare Part A for therapy, for PDPM, and honestly, yes, there have been changes to Medicaid, but again, I want us to keep in mind that this is impacting a small percentage of your population most likely. Because again, most likely your patients will have both Medicare and Medicaid. So Medicare coverage for therapy services will still remain exactly the same. 
All right, now that that is out of the way, we're going to take a very quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about the different changes that have happened for PDPM, including the MDS uh, that are impacting Medicare Part A. So stay tuned for that information. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code AMPLIFYOT. That's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to medbridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AmplifyOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to medbridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. All right, welcome back. So let's talk about the changes that have happened to Medicare Part A for the patient-driven payment model, or PDPM, in skilled nursing facilities. So first and foremost, it's important to know that there have not been any cuts to skilled nursing funding in the last couple of years. In fact, there was an increase last year and this year for fiscal year 2024, which started October 1st of 2023, had a increase of approximately 4% and a net increase in payments, which equates to about $1.4 billion. 
Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that your facility is bringing in $1.4 billion more a year. This is across the country, but there should not be expressed concerns around reductions in funding like we see in Part B, where there are legitimate reductions in funding, or in home health, where there have also been proposed pretty decent cuts in funding. Now, some of the biggest announcements that changed with this fiscal year for SNF, so just as a quick reminder, skilled nursing facilities, inpatient rehab facilities run on the fiscal year, which means that their new policies start October 1st, versus the Medicare physician fee schedule and home health run on the calendar year, meaning that their new policies start on January 1st. So for this fiscal year, there weren't a ton of policy changes The main changes were to the MDS. They rolled out not necessarily a new version to the MDS, but it almost might as well have been one with some pretty significant changes. For therapy, the most notable change is the removal of Section G, which was the former ADL section, mobility section, and they integrated some of the items from Section G into Section GG, which is your function and self-care items which Section GG is what is actually utilized for payment under PDPM. And I cover that pretty in-depth in some articles on my website, also in the Mastering OT Policy course, in the Amplify OT membership, if you want to learn more about the intricacies of how PDPM works. And I also have a podcast on PDPM, and I'll link those SNF resources for you in the show notes. But otherwise, this final rule was basically just announcing changes that will be coming in the next two or three years, primarily as it has to do with quality measures. And some of these quality measure changes will be taking place in fiscal year 2025, which means next October. So there's still time to prepare. But if you don't currently think about quality measures, I'm going to encourage you to start thinking about them. Not only because they can help tell you what's going on at your SNF, but skilled nursing facilities can receive penalties or bonus payments based on quality outcomes. And occupational therapy services and therapy services in general can actually have a pretty decent impact on quality measurement. And this is a really good bargaining chip for you to use when you are talking to your boss about potential increases in pay or better work-life balance. If you can highlight how you can influence reimbursement and quality outcomes, that's going to be something they want to hear about. So the main quality measures that are changing that really impact occupational therapy is that they plan to remove the quality measure regarding application for percent of long-term care hospital patients or your SNF patients with an admission and discharge functional assessment and care plan. That was basically just a quality measure looking at whether or not Section GG was completed. And obviously, that measure has essentially capped out at this point because it's required to complete Section GG. So that's why they are removing it, because it's no longer really assessing quality and everyone is scoring pretty high on it. Instead, they will be replacing it with a discharge function score that's effective of fiscal year 2025. So for the discharge function score, and this is reading directly from CMS's fact sheet about the final rule, it says that this measure assesses functional status by assessing the percentage of SNF residents who meet or exceed an expected discharge function score and uses mobility and self-care items already collected on the minimum data set or the MDS. So this will most likely be pulling from section GG, which is where they already pull the self-care and mobility information for the current quality measures. Currently, they utilize 10 different items from Section GG, three self-care, and seven mobility items. And so I'm going to assume that they're probably going to be using some of the same ones here as well for the discharge function. 
um, but obviously would need to revisit the details of this specific quality measure to confirm that. But overall, I would say this is good news. It allows us to really measure whether or not therapy is having an impact because what we can do with this data is we can look at the number of patients who met or exceeded their goals and then look at whether or not they received therapy, how much of therapy they received. So this is why accurate data collection is really important because the data is what really paints the picture for your patients, right? Remember that Medicare Any insurance reviewer, any auditor does not know your patient. They don't see your patient. All they have in front of them are your documentation, your notes, and the data. So if the data does not show the benefit and efficacy of therapy services, that's kind of a problem. And since you're already here being an amplifier, you already know what I'm going to say, which is this is why understanding policy is so essential because what you document, how you bill, What you do impacts not only the patient that's directly in front of you, but impacts the potential future of our profession and how we are considered in future models and policies. They will also be removing the quality measure, looking at change in self-care score and change in mobility score. And that, again, will also be effective in fiscal year 2025. Now, if it's your job to be responsible for understanding these quality measures, like if you're a director of rehab, regional manager, whomever, You definitely want to look more at the final and proposed rules to learn more about the specifics of these quality measures and what exactly is changing. Other quality measures that we shouldn't be surprised to see are um, they are adopting a quality measure next year to look at the COVID-19 vaccination rate of patients and residents. They are also modifying the COVID-19 vaccination coverage amongst healthcare personnel. So I believe this is basically modifying it to look at whether or not personnel are receiving boosters versus the initial vaccination. Um, And they will also be adopting some other value-based purchasing program updates, quality measures regarding nursing staff turnover, the discharge function score, long-term hospital measure, those sorts of things. But those aren't coming until 2026 and 2027. But I think it'll be really interesting, especially to see the nursing staff turnover measure Whenever I am interviewing for a position or even when I was looking for a facility for my grandmother, I would ask about staff turnover because in my opinion, how a facility treats their staff is indicative of how they treat their patients, their residents. So asking about staff turnover can give you some good insight as to whether or not people are satisfied working there. So it'll be great to see information publicized on the nursing staff turnover measure for skilled nursing facilities, because you can see the outcomes of these measures publicly on Care Compare for Medicare. Um, if you don't know what Care Compare is, I definitely encourage you to check it out and look at your company. Uh, it's really interesting data. And also AOTA has some evaluation checklists that list out the quality measures. And it's a great tool to take the evaluation checklist and compare it with the quality measures on Care Compare and identify how occupational therapy services can influence quality outcomes. And that's a really great thing to have in your back pocket when you're going into an advocacy meeting with your boss or whomever it may be. There have also been some changes in ICD-10 code mapping. Um, There are a couple of new ICD-10 codes for Parkinson's. So if you are responsible for picking out ICD-10 codes, that's something you want to pay attention to. So they did create some new ICD-10 codes for Parkinson's that now have a letter associated at the end of them versus just kind of a Parkinson's catch-all Um, There have also been some updates, I believe, for ICD-10 coding mapping for PDPM regarding COVID-19 as well. Another interesting update to the SNF final rule was that CMS is updating the SNF value-based purchasing program 
which the value-based purchasing program is what provides incentive or penalty payments, basically, for skilled nursing facilities based on their quality outcomes. And so this, this program's been around for a while, and they now have it in home health as well. But one thing that CMS is doing is they are adopting a health equity adjustment. Now, this will not be until fiscal year 2027, so you still have a couple of years to adjust. But this health equity payment adjustment will be available to skilled nursing facilities that have at least 20% of residents who are dual eligible, meaning that the patient is both on Medicare and Medicaid. So basically, CMS is recognizing that patients who are dual eligible tend to be at higher risk for adverse effects or have a higher cost of care required. And CMS will be reflecting that in their payments. And CMS has been making numerous adjustments across multiple different payment policies, including in hospitals, to try and better adapt to health equity needs and social determinants of health. So overall, a positive improvement here, especially if you're in a facility that serves a lot of Medicaid patients. Now, before I end this episode, I do want to touch on the removal of Section G. This is not something that was new. This has been scheduled for a while, but it was delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This is an update to MDS that's been pending for a while, kind of like a lot of different things coming from CMS. I know we are all feeling that change fatigue, the tiredness of constantly changing policies. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, not only do we have so many new policies during the public health emergency, but now we are kind of catching up to the changes that were supposed to happen in 2020, 2021. And now they're happening in 2023, 2024. So. Section G has been removed from the MDS. It is no longer there. You may be seeing Section G still for the optional state assessments or OSAs, but under PDPM, Section G is no longer required. Now, Section G is from the old kind of MDS before Section GG was created to collect ADL assessment items and was used for outcomes and rugs and those sorts of things. But It has not been used under PDPM since its implementation in 2019. So basically, practitioners have been required to almost double document, which just makes it more confusing when you're trying to score items that are similar, but with two completely different contexts. So in my opinion, and I think in most opinion, the removal of Section G G is a positive. I have to be careful I don't say the wrong section, because of course it can't be easy under policy, but For most, they agree that the removal of Section G is positive, so you no longer have to double document information. Now, there are some items that CMS did find valuable in Section G that are not in Section GG, and they have moved some of those codes into Section GG codes. So if Section GG is looking a little bit different than it used to, that's why. Now, one thing I think will be really interesting is whether or not they will take those new items and bring them into other settings because the whole point of Section GG is that it's a standardized assessment so that you can compare apples to apples to apples from LTAC all the way through home health. But if SNF has different GG items or additional GG items, then is it really standardized? So I think it'll be interesting to see if we see those other items pop up in other settings. And again, there have been quite a few other updates to the MDS in other sections. But those don't really impact therapy as much, but give your MDS coordinators and the nursing staff a little bit of grace as they adapt to these new changes. 
I'm not going to list out all the Section GG changes here for you because, one, I think that would be boring and would go over your head while you're listening to audio. It's much easier to see in text. But I did write an article on this along with Jamar Haggins in OT Practice. So if you go to the October version of OT Practice, which is free for OT Month, World OT Day, anyways, for the month of October, I'm not sure if it'll be free after that. But anyways, I wrote an article for OT practice on the SNF changes, and we include in there a chart of the changes that were made to Section GG. So encourage you to check that out. I should probably post that in our membership. So also check the Amplify OT membership, and I'll post it there as well. And before I leave you, this is my final thought that I want to leave you with. I've seen a lot of comments on Facebook about scope and who can and can't score certain sections of Section GG. And this is my reminder to you that there is no scope or guidelines on who scores what questions on Section GG. The only asterisk to that is that there's no guidelines as long as you're an eligible clinician to score Section GG, which this can be occupational therapist, physical therapist, nursing, speech therapy, those clinicians, physicians even, you know, case managers, like as long as you are considered an eligible evaluating like clinician, then you can score section GG. Obviously, check the MDS materials to make sure before you do anything, but occupational therapists can score all of section GG, including the self-care and the mobility section. Same thing for physical therapists. They can also score all of section GG. Ideally, what should be happening is that you should be scoring as many items as possible in your evaluation based on the patient's function before you apply intervention, key point there, before, because Section GG is supposed to reflect their typical function. So if you can collect data from multiple clinicians in different time points, you're more likely to get an accurate picture of their average functioning than only collecting the data from one clinician. Because as we know, patients may function differently in the morning versus the afternoon or evening. So having multiple clinicians contribute to that data collection can be really helpful and can also help support the reasoning behind the scores. So I just want to throw that out there and remind everybody that if PT is not available or whatever, like it's fine if you want to help kind of divide and conquer, but you can easily score many of the mobility items just by completing the ADL items, right? So It's really important that all of our staff is trained to score Section GG accurately and all the Section GG items. So CMS has free trainings on Section GG. I have an article that I'll drop in the show notes on Section GG that also links to that free training because it's really important that we understand how to score these items accurately, not only so that it can reflect the actual uh, value and impact of therapy services, but also so that your facilities are being reimbursed accurately for the services that they are providing. And again, just to that little advocacy note, the worm in your ear, if you can tie occupational therapy services to reimbursement, to quality outcomes, that is a winning argument if you're going to be talking with management. So if you can demonstrate why, including occupational therapy early on in the plan of care or why they should order OT more or whatever you want it to be, whatever you're asking for, or why you should receive additional training, tie it to the reimbursement. And a lot of that starts with understanding the reimbursement structure in the first place, which I will be the first to admit that I think that skilled nursing facility reimbursement policies are some of the most complex policies, but that's why I have so many resources on them. So again, 
Check the link in the show notes. I have an entire page dedicated to skilled nursing facility resources for you. And then also have lessons in the Amplify OT membership for you to take that can really help you understand what's happening in your facility, help you explain things that are going on, and hopefully help you counteract some of this misinformation. So not only do you get access to our community of amplifiers, you also get access to me to ask questions and you get access to all of our resources to help teach you what's going on so that you can amplify yourself and occupational therapy services. Okay, I think those are the updates. Please let me know if you have any questions. This stuff can be complex, especially when you start adding in all the different years and components. Don't be afraid if you have to listen to this multiple times or you have more questions. Check out the links in the show notes. Reach out to me, DM me, send me an email. I always love hearing from you. And of course, whenever I get questions, it helps inspires me to record new podcasts or realize things that I miss. So I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you so much for your support and for being here on the Amplify OT podcast. And I will see you in our next episode. Take care. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?